Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. All right, what is going on? Welcome to Cannell and Bell hanging out here Wednesday. It is officially free agency starts 4 p.m. Yeah. All of these deals that we've been talking about and saying they're going to go down, we're going to break them all down. They're not official official. Right. Like until they're on the dotted line, as we learned with Anthony Barr yesterday, which we're going to break that down. They're not official until you get that money. I'm telling you, it's the scariest time. That time between agreeing to a deal and actually getting pen to paper, both for the player and probably for the organization that isn't starting to make plans around said player. Just straight like tension until you get that name. Absolutely. On the line. Yeah. Like I remember vividly. When the deal was done, my agent had called me when I was on the Giants. It was yeah. really my only big contract. It was with the Giants. And I got the numbers. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. Like, yeah. Let's do it. And so, like, the time between he called me on the phone and actually signing it, like, I had to go into the state. I was, like, driving, like, don't do not do anything. <laughs> right? Like, don't have an accident. Don't do anything. Right. You don't want to screw it up. There's yeah. a lot of money at stake. So yeah. I'm sure a lot of those guys are having some of those nerve-wracking moments now. <laughs> and they're going to have some big parties with some of the money that's being spread around there, too. Monster Day. Kyler Murray's working out at 10 a.m. We'll give you our thoughts on that. The entire free agency slate, we're going to get into that. LeBron. The Lakers, they're playing. They actually win. Uh, you've got Russell Westbrook. The fan incident has been resolved somewhat. Yeah. So I can't wait to get your thoughts on that. And we're going to finish the show off with a little college admission scandal. Yeah, I heard on, about that. Yeah. Nuts, which is taking the world by storm. So we're going to get into all that. But first, I think the most exciting trade that happened uh, in some time. I think this free agency period in the NFL has been the wildest, most like money spent Big names moving, trades, than we've ever seen in this the is, NFL. This is NBA-ish. Yes. This is real NBA drama. Which is what's fantastic. Going on right now. Yeah. Because I think the NFL has really had a strong season uh, on the field. And then it's kind of carried over because fans are get, saying, give me some more. Give me more information. Yep. Give me more moves. And we've got a blockbuster trade with Odell Beckham Jr., who is, you know, of the New York Giants, was one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. He's been polarizing. He, the Giants have been in love or out of love with him throughout his whole career, right. seemingly. But Dave Gettleman made it clear all off season because they just paid him a new contract sure. before last season. I didn't sign this guy to trade him away, but you know what? The Cleveland Browns and the Giants clearly have a good relationship. Right. The second trade that they packed. They just swung one for Olivier Vernon and right. Yep. yep. So now they're going in on Odell Beckham. And so let's let's start with the Browns' perspective first. I love this for the Browns. Right. I think they're taking a page out of the Rams' playbook, who went all in last year because they have a young quarterback in Jared Goff, mm-hmm. who they're not paying a lot of money. So they're like, while we have a young quarterback who's pretty good, let's spend a lot of money on the other places where we can help him yeah. bolster the defense and we can make a run for the Super Bowl. I think the Browns are doing the exact same thing with Baker Mayfield, rookie contract, yep. had a great rookie season, and they're saying, you know what? We think we've got something special, a quarterback, so let's go spend and give them the pieces where we can make ourselves a championship contender. And I think that's what the Browns are. I legitimately think the Browns are a Super Bowl contender with all of these pieces in place, even before the draft or any other of these moves have taken place. On paper, I agree with you. Like, there's still a lot of stuff that needs to be sorted out, right, in terms yep. of whether or not – is it Freddie Kitchens? Is that his name? Yeah. Like, what can he manage? Can he call plays? Is he, the, is he also the OC? Yes. Right? Like, So, I mean, he had a great year last year. But I'm in, I'm in agreement. Like just right now, as it stands on paper, with the weapons that you put around Baker, even if Baker isn't like this 
uh, elite. like elite generational quarterback in Cleveland, which he very well, well may be. Like he right. seems to be trending in that. But let's say he's not. You give even an adequate quarterback, uh, Kareem Hunt. You know, obviously a suspension there, but we don't know what it is. Nick Chubb, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., David Njoku, Duke Johnson. You give a, an adequate quarterback those kind of weapons, and you should have something cooking on offense. So if Baker continues to trend, and he's got this swag. Like, is there a more swaggy team? What was the last team that had this type of swag about them? There hasn't been one in a while. Uh, you know, when you get this much star power in one building. I would say the Rams are similar. For some reason, I was not as big on the Rams last year, probably because I didn't believe in Jared Goff as much. I don't know. I just needed to see more of it. Right. This team, I'm all in. Like, I thought I saw well, all right, really good chance. Right. I thought they would make the playoffs as Baker's rookie year. Remember I said that? Yeah, you they did. just missed it, but I like this team. Even the Rams, though. All right, you got Baker and Jared Goff. You get yeah. the nod to who? Probably Jared Goff right now? Yeah, right now. He's played in a Super Bowl. He had a better year, but I like Baker's potential better. Okay. Like, um, Todd Gurley, obviously he's, he's awesome. Kareem right. Hunt's pretty good too. Right. Go to the receivers though. Who's like, oh, it's not even close. Cause you're putting Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham. They'll instantly have the best wide receiver tandem in the, in NFL. the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. But so here's, here's, you remember the, I what? said that last year? Remember I asked that like often you were like, yeah, not, but I mean, they weren't one of the best receiving cores in the NFL last year. That's right. what we thought, uh, Josh Gordon was going to come back and play. Yes. But with a Josh Gordon, Odell Beckham now, yeah. like they, that's phenomenal. Absolutely. Yeah. Without question. So here are the potential hiccups that uh -huh. they could have. What happens if, you know, because Jarvis Landry was the guy last year. Yeah, they yeah, also yeah. have Antonio Callaway, who they drafted. There is, right. They have a lot of that star the kid power. from Florida? Yeah. yeah that's a who lot. Was, so here's another guy who had character issues coming out of Gainesville. Right. That's why he dropped to them. Uh, you know, Odell's been up and down emotionally. Jarvis Landry was sent packing by the Miami Dolphins because he couldn't get along with Adam Gase. Right. A lot of people like, couldn't get away alone with uh, Adam Agreed. Gase, agreed. But what I'm saying is you've got some bigger personalities, some bigger egos. Sure. A lot of money that's in that locker room. What happens if... Jarvis Landry is only getting, you know, three balls a game for 30 yards early in the season. Does he start pouting? Like, is he, is he well, upset? Yeah. Oh, or flip, flip it around. What if Odell only gets a few balls a game early? Now, picture perfect. They're all getting yards. Like, there, Baker Mayfield's throwing for 350 a game. Correct. And they're putting up offensive records, which they could do. But that's where Freddie Kitchens comes into place. How does he manage these personalities that well, are? Well, Danny, Danny, how does it impact this relationship that they they've known each other and they played football with each other since high school? So I think it's a little bit of a different situation. Like if if they didn't know each other, then maybe I see that. But because they played in college together, right. they played together in high school. I don't know if that drama is going to so, follow them and, there. And high school, it's great. Like high school buddies are the best. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of fighting about who's getting the ball. You probably don't even pass it that much in high school. Yeah. LSU, they weren't very good offensively. These guys were awesome. But they weren't prolifically putting up numbers and expecting. Now, you it's know what you've got matter. at stake? Millions of dollars. What's going to matter? New contracts, endorsements, uh, you know, reputation, all of those things. They're, the egos just get bigger. And so I do think now it might work just perfectly and they yeah. might love each other and they might be like, Hey, I don't care. You catch all the balls. In reality, that's probably not the way it's going to work. It's not, it's not the way it's going to work. Um, I think there is something to be said for a little bit of a relationship, but at the end of the day, you're, you're professionals now. So, so everybody wants what they want. Um, I think that their skill sets are very complementary though, obviously, right? Like yep. Odell Beckham probably has more range and he's got an ability to kind of take the top off of it. And Jarvis Landry, although he makes a bunch of catches, like it's, it's underneath stuff, right? It's the tougher, um, you know, quicker routes and stuff like that. So I think, uh, they don't really duplicate skill sets. So, you know, if you are committed as an offense, which you have to be when you bring in this much talent to spreading the ball around and making sure everybody gets their touches, you'll be able to accomplish that because you're not, you're not trying to make the same throw to the, to 
two of the same guys. You right. know what I mean? And usually, if you're winning, it kind of everybody's happy. Yep. And you can get over a rough game if you don't get your catches. At least you're winning. If they struggle, that's when it's going to be, uh-oh, what ha- what's happening? Baker Mayfield also was just a rookie. Now we've got an entire, you know, year of film on him, which I still, I think he'll be fine on the trajectory that he started his rookie season on, but it's different. There's yeah. Different pressure on him now. He's not no longer the rookie. If he throws a bad pass or has a bad game, you know, oh, he's a rookie. Now he's the guy. He's the franchise quarterback. How does he respond to that? A uh, year of tape. Like if, if do, do the opposing defenses realize something, a tendency that he has, they yeah. start to take away and he's going to have to adjust to that. I like this team. I, I think they're going to succeed, but those are some of the issues. I'm a Browns fan now. Uh, exactly. Well, they're going to be fun to watch. I, I, mean, I will be watching that. So on the flip side, you're not going to have many Giants fans because yeah. they pretty much got fleeced in this one. So, the Dave Gettleman had said, I don't want to trade him. I just paid him. But every reporter that I heard that had kind of had sources or whatever you want to call it coming out of the Giants, uh, you know, front office said the Giants were willing to listen mm-hmm. if they had this blow you away offer that they couldn't refuse. I don't think that's what this is. That's why I'm a little bit perplexed from the Giants standpoint is, yeah, if you would have gotten two first round picks, um, you know, and somebody, uh, Jarvis Landry as opposed to, you know, maybe just swap players. There's some, something where it made more sense. From this one, it looks like the Giants wanted to get rid of Odell and were willing to say, all right, you know, we'll take a pretty good player in Jabril Peppers yeah. to help with our Landon Collins issue because right. we just let him go in free agency. But a first and a third, which is the 17th overall and the third round pick, the 95th, it just, to me, it doesn't blow me away. And a lot of Giants fans are ticked off and I think deservedly so because it looks like they're either in rebuild mode or tank mode. So, a few things. Yeah, that they, anytime a general manager is up there talking, just con- like assume he's lying. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, like seriously. Right. If they're looking in the camera and telling you, or if you're a player and you're in their office and they're telling you, no, everything's going to do, you're not going to get traded, just to make the assumption that he's lying to you. Right. right. So, because that's, that's what it is. I know as a player, I didn't even trust my own GM. Of course, you cannot. <laughs> because anyone, if presented with a good enough offer, We'll pull the trigger. Right. I mean, now it varies depending on how good you are, but if that offer is good enough, they're going to pull the trigger on it. Um, I am with you in that I don't believe this was good enough for Odell Beckham Jr., which leads me to believe that they wanted to move him, right? Like, 17 is not a great pick. Is it 13 or 17? 17. 17. Not a great pick anyway. And then you're assuming that 17 is going to be a hit. Right. Like, there's no, there has to be. It has to be. This is a, dude, this is production wise through his tenure in the, in the NFL, he's the most productive receiver ever. Right, like you're yeah. not. You're, this is this is a superstar that he's you're getting top off of three in the NFL without question. And some people believe he's the best wide receiver it, in the NFL. right now. And yeah. so you you got off of that for a swing at number seventeen, a third round pick. And I like Jabril Peppers, but like that that's that's not enough. And so I ask you this question: like, if you're if you're Eli Manning, like what are you what are you saying to yourself now? Like, I mean, well, he's got to be ticked. I think he's got to be hot. Um, because the plan from the Giants' perspective was a year ago, it was, hey, we're all in with Eli. Yeah. We think we can win with Eli if we put the pieces around him. They bolstered the offensive line, drafted offensive line. They gave Odell this new deal. Right. They drafted Saquon, Saquon. Barkley. Right. So they're like, oh, we're all in. Now you've given away your best offensive threat. I, I honestly don't know what they're thinking. Are they? I, and I don't think it's crazy to think that they might be tanking. Like, I, And I don't think they, they're not like that. But inadvertently, yeah. they, they can call it rebuild, whatever they want. But it's I not think, inadvertent. This is, I think this any purpose. chance that Eli could win a Super Bowl one more or have one more good run no. is gone. Right. So if you're Eli, 
who has to think, and I think at his point in his career, he probably does think about legacy somewhat, like Hall of Fame. Sure. Do you want to go out there in a rebuild year where you might be four and twelve, That's or what I'm five asking. and eleven? If I'm him, I might consider retiring, and the Giants might consider cutting him because there's a massive cap cap savings if they do cut him. Okay, I so you you think too. from the Giants' perspective, I think both of them it makes sense. Like, hey, you know, this season might be a rebuild year. We're gonna go. We're gonna go. And if you're Eli, you might even make the first call. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, I don't have anybody to throw to. This is this is fascinating <laughs> stuff. Do you think there's any scenario under which like the Giants can't come out and say that to Eli, right? Like they can't. Like they, no. they've they've already established Eli's their guy, but they sat around and they were like, "Man, this is just not going to work." So we get rid of Odell, right? We strip him of any weapons, and then he comes to us. Like it's our idea, but we're going to let him think it's his idea. So they, you know what I mean? Like we're yeah. taking Eli will come to us and tell us he wants to retire. Everything is accomplished, or. He has a no trade clause in his contract. Maybe he says, you know what? You guys can try to move me. Yeah. But right. The problem with that is Nick Foles just signed with the Jaguars. You know, does he go to the Redskins? I don't think yeah. that makes a fit. Like, right. Not right. Right. One division. So I don't know. And that's why Giants fans are up in arms saying, what's the plan here? And that's where I can't make any sense of it either. Uh, from the Giants perspective as they go, but I think it's going to be a rough season for the Giants and a rough season for Eli Manning. Those weren't the only moves. Yeah. Keep it rolling. Cause Le'Veon Bell who sat out an entire season, passed up on $14.5 million to get to have the franchise tag on him with the Steelers. He was hoping for the big payday, and we've kind of talked about this a little bit. He didn't get the massive payday that he wanted, but he got out, yeah. and he got his money. I think in this whole thing, I feel like from the Steelers' perspective, I think Antonio Brown was the big winner, and I do feel like Le'Veon Bell was the loser in this one because he— yeah. In his prime earning years, and I know they could have franchised him again after this year, but if he would have been franchised again, the number would have been huge. So over the two seasons, he would have made this 33, 35 million, whatever he's going to make. Right. And he wouldn't have lost an entire year of earnings. So I think from his perspective, I think it's going to scare off some guys that think about doing this again because it doesn't make a lot of sense from a financial standpoint. Now, maybe he'll be happier. He's in a better market. Sure. But his offensive line isn't going to be as good. His quarterback's not going to be as good. The franchise isn't as stable. The Jets have been a mess. I think this is a very risky deal for the Jets' perspective, too. Really? I, so I think it makes sense for the Jets. I think, you, you know, you pair um, your young quarterback with a back um, that you can hand the ball off to. Like, that's a security blanket for a yep. quarterback anyway. But also a back that, like, when things break down down the field, like, he's a really good pass-catching back. So he can slip out um, and, and, and make plays for you in little dump-down situations or check-downs. I think that's a really nice thing to have. For a young quarterback, and I don't think you had to, you know, you didn't have to break the bank to go out and get him. But for Le'Veon Bell, um, I would say this to any player: don't don't give up money in, in earning you. Don't give it up. Like don't like if you get suspended or something, something that you might not have full control over. That's one thing. But don't just tell people, "Hey, I'm not playing this year." Yeah. Like Fifteen million dollars, you don't make that. You don't make that again. And yeah, he did lose in that regard. Like maybe he achieved what ultimately he wanted to achieve by just getting get out, out, just to get out of Pittsburgh. But you don't want to ever leave fifteen million on the table. You can't make it up. I thought. And I really believe this to be true, that Todd Gurley's, and this is just the luck, like this is where I think it was a huge risk for Le'Veon Bell, but if Todd Gurley had had an MVP-type season, had been a you know just a monster in the playoffs, maybe gotten Super Bowl MVP and they had won and like carried the Rams, right? I think maybe a team like the Jets or other teams would have been like, oh, because the NFL is a copycat. Yeah. They're not very like they're not very smart at running. That all of a sudden it would have been, oh, do you see what they did? Right. Let's go give our guys some money. And granted, he's going to be fine financially, but I just 
I don't think it was the smartest move for him to make, and I think it'll be interesting to see uh, what will happen with him this year. Because I wonder if he's going to be disgruntled. Is, like, and is he in shape? I do think he's a good scheme fit for Adam Gase. Right. Because Adam Gase, with Kenyon Drake down here in Miami, had a lot of success with him. But he also ran Jay Ajayi out of town. Another yeah. guy with, like, no, yeah. is Le'Veon going to be a hard That's worker? That's a good point. In good shape? Like, a lot of these... You know, you can do the fit for schemes and all this. Personalities matter too. They matter more than fit for schemes. Absolutely. Like personalities are the biggest thing when you're, Absolutely. When you're bringing two grown men together and they got to spend every day together. For sure. Uh, so the Jets have added, they've boasted up. I like that. I like the offense is getting better for Sam Darnold because they got Jamison Crowder. I love that signing from a wide receiver perspective. Like Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. They lost out on Anthony Barr who changed his mind, but they still have CJ Mosley. So they are a better roster for sure. It's just, you know, I don't, I don't know how this Le'Veon Bell thing is going to work out. So let's, so the Anthony Barr was very interesting because we were just talking about him. He got cold feet. Yeah. Like that's basically what it boiled down to. The Minnesota Vikings did sweeten the deal a little bit, but I think this is the human aspect that we often overlook. He was really happy in Minnesota, had probably, you know, a bunch of buddies on the sure. team that he enjoyed playing with. And when he had a chance to sit on it and sleep on it, was thinking, man, that's a lot of money, but. I don't know if I want to do this. And so the Jets lose out on a player, but the Minnesota gets a player back who's been a really good player for him. It is, um, we just talked about it off the top. That time between ink, like to paper, yes. um, when you've verbally agreed on a deal can be very, very, uh, tough, both on a player and an organization. And like, the hardest thing to do in free agency is leave where you're coming from. Unless you don't, unless it's just a. Right, like a, a Le'Veon Bell. Poop show. Or, yeah, right, exactly. Like, but if or you, you just don't like the team. Right, if you don't like it or if there's stuff wrong there, but if this is an organization that you're happy with, um, it's the hardest thing to do is leave. Now, like in my situation, when I wound up leaving Utah, it's the only time I was a real free agent and, and my team wanted me back. Um, Phoenix came in and a lot of other teams came in with offers that Utah didn't want to match. And so Utah essentially was like, Go, you know, but if Utah had given me the same amount of money as Phoenix, I would probably stayed in Utah because I really liked Utah. I like playing for Jerry. It's what I knew. I was comfortable. My family was comfortable. Um, I, I did, I didn't have, and a lot of guys don't have the opportunity, but if you do and you give somebody time to sit there and think about it and sleep on it and really like start to get nostalgic about the good times they had in, in Minnesota and all the good stuff we did and, yeah, there's a potential that that guy's going to flip and come back, you know, provided you're, you know, apples to apples. I wonder too if the Vikings, after this deal was reported and everybody's raving about what a great player Anthony Barr is and what a great asset he's going to be for the Jets, if the Vikings were probably maybe called his agent and said, Hey, let him know. Yeah. He might have made a mistake and we'll give him a couple million extra, whatever the number was. Right. And we'll sweeten it up a little bit, you know, and it makes it tougher. Like when it's always like a negotiating table when you're willing to walk away, like in its final, like, if there's a, that little bit of doubt, there better be sure. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's why I think the Vikings probably were like, maybe they had some some cold feet too, and they were like, I can't believe we just let that player get away. Can I tell you what happened? Let me. This is what happened to me in Utah. All right, like, so Kevin O'Connor was the general manager at the time. Free agency begins at twelve oh one, right? Um, and so you know, my agents like Kev, like you know, we're expecting to hear from a lot of teams at twelve oh one. Kevin's like, yeah, all right, we got it, we got it, we got it. So. My 1201, my phone starts ringing. Like my agents got offers, like, you know, offers and people flying in tomorrow. And so I've got like four meetings tomorrow and I got two offers already. And so I'm like, I, I actually said to my agent, it was Herb Rudoy at the time. I said, can you please call the jazz? Like, well, I haven't heard from Kevin and the jazz. And cause I want, I want to go back. I love Jerry right. Sloan. He was my guy. Um, he was like, yeah, I can't get Kevin. I can't get Kevin. And so finally, like Kevin got word to him, like, yeah, we're, we'll just pick it. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to him in the morning. And I was like, well. All right. Phoenix came through with the like, take it or leave it, right? Like they, like this yeah. is your deal. It right. won't be here in the morning. And I'm like, well, 
gotta go, baby. Sorry. Like, you know, it, it happens. So like, if you, again, did so, you ever talk to anybody in Utah that said, Oh, we would have matched or we, so when, w- no, when, when, once I got the deal, they made it sound like I, I I don't know that they would have or wouldn't have, but it wasn't in their best interest to say we would have matched. So their stance was kind of like, oh, he got that. Good luck. Right. I was like, okay. Well, right. Yeah, it, was, it was cool. Yeah, it was, it was great. It worked out. But part. the point is, if you're, if you're not on it, right. if you're that GM and you want that player back, you don't let him. If, if you're not on it, you, you, you're, you're going to lose. Yeah. Him. That's it. For sure. That's definitely happened a lot. Right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, Norman, Oklahoma. Kyler Murray is doing his pro day. It's supposed to be at 10 a.m. Hasn't started officially yet. It's probably meeting, shaking hands, maybe getting weighed. That's the big question mark to me is what does he do? Does he just throw? Does he just have his, you know, 50, 70 throws where it's scripted and he's going to go out there with his quarterback coach and they're going to throw to the receivers? Or does he run the 40? There's yeah. speculation. What would a quarterback normally do? Like what would – like? Well, see, normally, you know, bench normally press at a, and all of that, right? You're good just, really? if you wanted to, okay. but I don't think he will. So normally at a pro day, it's not it's not Kyler Murray's pro day. It's it's Oklahoma's, Oklahoma's pro day because right. that that's how he gets his receivers. You might even pull some underclassmen, right? Like, hey, I don't uh, technically I don't know if that's legal or not, but I think you can. You can pull some receivers that you're familiar with uh, or other pros that might be working out there. Got it. But it also this is the best part about being in Oklahoma, Alabama. You might be a offensive lineman that's fringe getting drafted or not. You can work out on this pro day too. You'll run your 40, you know, and when I, I covered Alabama's pro day a couple of times, they actually let some kids from like Alabama A&M right, run the, the smaller 40 schools. the same day yeah. as the scouts. It's cause it's easier for the scouts. They right. just come watch everybody. So there'll be all of this activity going on. Clearly, Kyler Murray is going to be the guy that everybody's coming to watch. So the, un- the unknown is when all these players are lining up for the 40, does Kyler Murray step up to that line or not? Right. Uh, he ran a, reportedly ran a 43840 in the spring of 2017. Uh, Mike Vick has the record for a QB time at 425. I think he probably could if he trained for it, but it, yeah, I, there's no real advantage don't to it. You already it. look fast on yeah, tape. You got exactly. You know? This is one of those things, bro. Don't do it. Yeah. Like, your tape says you're really, really fast. Yep. Let him keep guessing. And I think more importantly, he's already being – there's a ton of speculation that he's going to be the number one overall pick. Yeah. And he's like a lock to be top ten. If he was, you know, second round, then I would go run. Like show him – blow him away. Yeah, you're They're already – everybody's already blown away with Kyler Murray. So right. there's nothing really you can do except if you went out there and ran a 4-4 as opposed to the reported 43-8. They're like, why didn't he run the 4-3-8? Uh, is he heavy? Is there something wrong Correct. with him? Is his hamstring hurt? Uh, I would just go out there and throw. That's what I would do. How? You don't even technically have to do that. But I mean, that's your, that's your thing, right? Yeah, that's, if you so can you throw it. You like, don't have any red flags like what's wrong with your arm. You go out there and throw it. And he'll, he'll have an impressive workout throwing the football. I mean, my, my, my son's 11, Danny. Like if I took him with his quarterback coach and I trained him for two weeks of, through a script of throws. Yeah. I'm pretty confident that in two weeks, if I, he'd make almost every throw on the money. So a, a, a dude who's going to be number one in the draft, he should look phenomenal in a scripted workout. And what we do now is we actually keep stats of him. Right. Like if he has 50 throws, he should complete 48. Correct. You know, and like there might be a drop and there might be an overthrow on a deep ball that he just put too long. Like I want him because he was trying to throw it as long as he do could. You, do now you... they will. This is what gets interesting. And this is where he doesn't have to. 
But after you do your 50 throws, they'll right? ask you to show some stuff. They might. Yeah. Uh. Like I remember at my workout, did my throws, and then Mouse Davis was a famous guy in the run and shoot in the Atlanta Falcons with Jeff George was running. Right. And it was very different footwork. It was like that half rollout type stuff. I had never done it. He right. Was like, hey, let me, let me try to have you do some stuff. So yeah. I, I was like, sure, I'll do okay. it. Okay. If I'm Kyler Murray, I don't, maybe I just don't, but he probably will. It's not that big of a deal. What is interesting is that Cliff Kingsbury, and Steve Kime, uh, the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, Cliff obviously the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, will not be there. That, that is interesting. But, here's the but, mm-hmm. they have been reported that they're going to bring him to Arizona for their <laughs> own private workout. You know, and they, like everything, and this is kind of funny at the combine you hear this, the coaches, scouts, they don't even like watching it in person. Yeah. They get it all on TV. Like yeah. they'll get the feedback. They probably, if they don't like the film from whoever's filming it, we are, whoever else has a feed of it. Yeah. You can get it. You can watch it somewhere online. You can see every throw and then they'll have them in personally and get to have their hands on them and private workout. Nobody else sees it and they can get to know them personally. I think it's more important to get to know the player than it is to see what they can do. You already know what they can do on the field. Correct. To me, it's about the personality. So when we brought kids in, because we don't have, you don't necessarily have pro days in basketball. Like you got your comp, you got your combines. You have like, you know, you're going to Chicago and stuff like that. And you can see all these guys with your eyes do the vert and they're testing measurables. You see their wingspans and then they play a little bit. That's the difference between like the NFL pro day and then an NFL, I mean, an NBA combine. Um, but the, when you're really digging in and this guy's a potential number one pick, even if he's a number like a, a second round pick, but you know he's your guy, you get him in your building, right? And then in the NBA, you'll work out again in your building with like four other guys. Could be an into like Terry Rozier came in and worked out by himself. Fantastic workout. But what you really want to do, get him showered up, get him back to the hotel. Then we'll sit around as a front office for a couple hours while you're at the hotel, yep. and we'll talk about what this dinner is going to look like. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, what are we trying to achieve in the dinner? It's not like the, the interview process where we're trying to like dig and needle you and look for, but we're, we're looking for certain things in the interview process. Like, you know, we might have some questions about different stuff. How are we can get to that? Like, you don't want to come out and just blast him with it off the top, right? right? Like, let's ease into conversation. And then, you know, someone somehow bring that, that topic of conversation up. But that's the most important part. Right. When that, when you know that that's your guy and you, you're locked in on that, right. you just want to verify that he's the dude you think he is. There's got to be a chemistry yeah. like between your coaches Absolutely. and the player. There's got to be, you got to have a good feel about his leadership style. Do you like it? His yeah. personality. Again, we said this the day after. I want to watch how he treats the staff at the restaurant. Like, yeah. is he nice to the waiters or the help? Like, I, I want to watch all of those types of things to see what type of person he is. Uh, Arizona, so they won't be, uh, at the, uh, Kyler Murray Pro Day, but they do have another quarterback on their roster. And it's not Josh Rosen who was still on that roster, yeah. <laughs> their first round pick. They've signed Brett Hundley to a one year deal. And there is some speculation like, what does this mean? He's a veteran quarterback who's been around, hasn't, you know, started some with the Green Bay Packers when Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Wasn't great. They're not paying him a ton. It's a one year, two million dollar deal. I don't, I think this is just adding depth as sort of yeah. an insurance policy. If it's Kyler Murray or, uh, Josh Rosen, you, you're gonna probably look for a, a, a backup, backup vet, need, right? Yep. Like, so I don't know that you read much. I don't into think that. you can take anything away from this other than this is way a smarter move than it was to sign Sam Bradford to 20 million correct, correct, or whatever correct. it was. You can get a much, you know, and a guy who can come in, he can, you know, serviceable backup. Yeah. And then do there. Another backup has signed on and this one bummed me out a little bit. Teddy Bridgewater. So he has agreed to uh, return to the New Orleans Saints after there was a lot of speculation that he could have gone to the Miami Dolphins and been able to compete for a starting job. Yeah. Selfishly, I'm a Teddy Bridgewater fan. He's local. I would have loved to see him on the Dolphins get a chance to start. But for whatever reason, he's saying, nope, I'm good in New Orleans. Two things that stick out to me. First of all, I'm a big Teddy Bridgewater fan too, Miami kid. Um, a, it's not always easy to play at home. 
there are a lot of distractions that come along with playing like really close to home and not everybody can navigate those. And like Teddy would know better than I if, if he were one of those guys that can navigate the potential landmines if you're living really close to where you grew up and stuff like that. Secondly, and more importantly, what I think happened was somebody in in New Orleans said to Teddy, look, this is yours. Like we, we you are our guy. Now again, I've said, assume somebody's lying to you. Yep. Right? Like, cause, cause if they're not going to back up the truck and do it, like you got to assume that it could potentially not happen. But I think that's probably what happened. They're like, look, Drew's got X on his, like, yeah, on his career. How many years left? You're the guy. We're yep. committed to you being the guy. Sean Payton kind of had a comment somewhere. I've lost I it. I saw my it. So I got it right here for you. So he talked to Diana Rossini from ESPN who asked Sean uh, Payton at the combine who he was going after at quarterback, knowing Drew Brees could be done soon. His quote back was, I have my guy. His name is Teddy Bridgewater. So you got to feel pretty good about yeah. that. I, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. This, I think, and this is the risk, you, he passed on probably more money from the Dolphins mm-hmm. that would have been guaranteed. He probably would have made a bigger immediate payday. But I think this one could pay off in the back end because he's going to be in a better, yeah. healthier The Dolphins are going to be terrible. Exactly. And he could inherit... A good situation where he's familiar with the offense. Yeah. You've got a Sean Payton is one of the better offensive minds, and you could step in, and then on the back end, he could reap the rewards, which is what I hope happens for him. Me too. And, and like, let's not discount. Like, I don't. There's a chance that Teddy's not a hundred percent. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? He still may be running around at 85. 85 is pretty damn good, but like, he had a gruesome leg injury. Sometimes yep. that's a multi-year thing, kind of like Paul George and even Gordon Hayward, who will be really good again next year, but you see him struggling a bit like this year, you know? So I might buy him some time too. All right, welcome back, Ken Ellen Bell. Uh, the Russell Westbrook incident that we talked about yesterday a lot got a lot of play. Yeah. A lot of people were talking about it. Most people were slamming Russell Westbrook for it. You and I were one of the few that were not, but it wasn't like we were saying he was right, but no. we understood what happened. Uh, so the NBA, we knew they would come out and find him. I think it's kind of funny. I thought they would find him a little bit more. 25,000 is not a very steep no, line. It's, it's a that, parking ticket. That's like the obligatory, like, yeah, we have gotta to get, something. gotta get yeah. you 25 grand. We have to do something. Yeah. Meanwhile, the fan, Banned for life yeah. from the arena, which I love getting Matt like that dude, get him out of there. Guys, yeah. especially from the Twitter. I, I, I have a hunch that had more to do with his social media feed that he deleted than it did with this actual incident, but I'm totally fine with them taking that. Well, it get, social media, like Twitter feed gave you a little glimpse into who he was as a human being. Right. Um, but I think by, by what I've read, um, the staff there at, uh, I forget what they call that arena now. Like they've been, they go through so many names. Uh, we were just there the other day driving by and I was like, man, look, they changed the name. But anyway, um, they, they went in and did some background and asked some of the people around him to corroborate either his story or Russell Westbrook's. And a lot of people came down on Russell Westbrook's side as to what happened, right? So they went in and did their due diligence to find out exactly what took place. And they felt comfortable enough with, with what they've heard that, that it's worth suspending him a uh, lifetime from the arena or banning him. And I think that's a great statement. For the Jazz to make, uh, and for, you know, the NBA to make in terms of, you know, the environment having to be safe for, for the people that are working in the environment. Do you know what I mean? I think yes. that goes a long way. Uh, there was a lot of backlash. You know, it was funny because Debo actually sent me a message that there was a fan of our show mm-hmm. that said, Hey, please don't come out in Utah, you know, as a racist state. I'm not saying they're a racist state, but I do think there is a problem that they've had. And it doesn't mean everybody's racist in Utah, but clearly when a lot of NBA players come out and blasted that arena specifically saying it's worse and you know, you hear worse things there than you do other places, they have a problem. So that's why I think the Utah Jazz took this stance and Donovan Mitchell came out. 
uh, as well as Rudy Gobert. They had some interesting statements that they released. And Donovan Mitchell's was pretty good. He said, as a black man living in a community I love and playing on a team that gives me the opportunity to live out my dreams, this incident hits close to home. Racism and hate speech hurts us all. And this is not the first time something like this has happened in our arena. Mm. The Utah that I have come to love is welcome and inclusive. And last night's incident is not indicative, indicative of our fan base. We don't want to create negative reputation for athletes who potentially may want to come to Utah. That was why I was curious to hear your experience in Utah. You played there and you were like, no, the fans are great. No, yeah, I had a, look, I had a great time in Utah. I do not think that, uh, Utah is a, a racist place. I think like anywhere in the world, America, there yeah, are okay. people that, that would have racist tendencies, but like, I don't, I don't think they're, you know, different than any other state in that regard. I know jazz fans are as passionate as there are in the NBA. Like that for the longest of time, like the jazz were their only professional outlet. Like now they have, you know, Real Salt Lake and they have a, uh, uh, the new football league. They have a town. Like I, I think the bees have been there for a while and stuff like that, but you, they lived and breathed jazz, which I respected completely. Um, you know, but here's one of the things, cause I was just out there skiing and I said it to my wife and like, we don't get into this a lot, but when you look around Utah, there are very, very few black faces. Right. And I, I would say this. Go to an arena. At their arena, there are not many. Very, very few. And so I would even say this about if you went into a black community and you saw very few white faces. It then becomes very hard for you to relate to the other race. Yep. Right? When you don't ever really interact or cross paths with them or get to experience their cultures. Right? So it's a foreign thing to you. And you would are way more accepting of your own just because – you know, of your circumstances, right? So I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a racist thing. I think it's a human thing at times. Um, but I, I didn't experience racism in, in Utah. I right. think this is an isolated fan. There are few of them. They're all over the world. Um, and he just had a platform the other night and acted like an ass. And guys, you know, and when you're in a stadium like that or in an atmosphere where it's predominantly almost only your color, your yeah. ray, whatever it is, you might feel more okay to take a line to t- to say something a little edgier, to say something a little more com- because there's nobody to hold you in check. Yeah, like, no, there's, that, that, there's, there's not an African American validity next to you. Yes, there's look there's at you and be like, what that. are you doing? For sure. So I mean, I, but clearly, I think it was good that the Utah Jazz, as a team, not only from the front office but players, came out and said we need to change that. I do too. Like Rudy, the, you know, I, I really do think what Donovan Mitchell said. I, I gotta be honest. Like I question whether Donovan Mitchell actually wrote right, that. But it was well scripted but from his. Team. It was perfect, and I thought it captured like everything that you want to capture because. You know, the reality of it is, like, you know, African-American men do go to their play for the Jazz, right? Yeah. And and while the Jazz fans at times can feel like, you know, like, we're, we're theirs. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, and, and yeah. we are. Like, if fans like that are making other people like me feel some kind of way from racist remarks, I feel like that too. Right. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm your guy and I play for the Jazz, but you don't think that affects me? And I thought he really, his statement was really well put together and it captured a lot of the, the sentiment of probably the other, the other black players that play there in Utah. And I want to say again, like, I, I never had a problem with the Jazz. Like, I had a problem with the way it ended with the Jazz and some of the coaching situations, but I loved Utah. I loved playing there. Uh, we loved living there and I love visiting there. I don't believe them to be a racist right. town. I think they're idiots everywhere and that guy was one of them. Yep, for sure. Uh, in other NBA news, so LeBron, uh, ends up playing 33 minutes versus the Bulls last night, scores 36, 10 rebounds, four assists. They win, which kind of blows up the, Lakers are tanking philosophy, you know, by managing his minutes. He's been around the kind of low 30s minutes. I think as a player like LeBron, who's, you know, one of the best of all time, I don't see him as a guy who's going to embrace tanking in any way. Like, and by the way that the odds increase, 
I don't even think it's worth it because it's gonna yeah. it's really gonna tarnish his his legacy if he was okay with just tanking. Yes, I would rather they him put on a dunk show. I yeah, they did. Like, oh, they're kind of sick they're out there. Harlem shaking and we're beating <laughs> the the Bulls. Um, <laughs> wow, bro, we were just we were talking about maybe winning playoff series a few weeks ago, and now we're Harlem shaking after dunking on the Bulls. But no, I agree with you, dude. I think it's a terrible look. Um, for LeBron, like how much would they have to tank to even get in the conversation to realistically have a shot at the one seed? They can't. I mean, the one at right, the number so one, one pick. Right. The, it, the irreparable damage that that would do, um, to his brand, um, and his, his winner brand, I think is, is not worth it for LeBron. So I really do appreciate the fact that he's playing. I also appreciate the fact that the Lakers are managing the load, right? Yep. Like you want to make sure that, that you don't burn him out chasing something that's not there, but he's still what people pay tickets to come watch. I think fans deserve the right to see LeBron. That I think is the most important thing. And that's why I think Adam Silver would have had to get involved if he wasn't on the court that long. Cause he would have said, Hey, look, there are fans that are coming just in Chicago. They came just to see LeBron Correct. and see him play. So they had to do something about it. Um, uh, you know, currently they're one and a half percent chance to get the top pick. If they do get it, I'm saying it's rigged. Yeah. If you if you can get Zion out there, that'd be <laughs> sick. I actually kind of wish they would rig it. I think it'd be fascinating to watch, but you know, they can go up to 4%, 5% chance. Ultimately, it's not going to be that big. Welcome back, Canel and Bell. So yesterday, this bombshell report comes out and it was, I mean, I was just, you know, this morning it was on every morning, you know, show, not, not, not sports oh, show. Jr. No, 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 that was on every sports show. Oh. But this college admissions bribery scandal has like totally captivated the country. It is pretty disgusting when you think about it. And for me, like there's a lot of different angles again. So basically, if you have been under a rock and haven't been aware of what's going on, you've had these really, really wealthy parents that want their children to go to some of the best schools in the country. Yeah. Ivy League schools, USC, Texas, some schools that might be challenging to get into, yeah. especially if you're in state. US, USC is really that hard to get I into? I think in-state it is. Okay. And I think it's it's probably pretty competitive. I'm not throwing I shade. I'm just curious. Oh, yeah, no, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. know. I didn't know it was, but apparently right. it is. Okay. Uh, especially if maybe you don't care about college, which is what uh, Lori Laughlin's daughter said. She, you don't have the grades. Like, imagine her transcripts probably weren't that great. Right, so right, right. So she probably right. wasn't having that much of a chance. So these... Wealthy people, some of them famous, which is why this has gotten so much attention, were basically positioning their kids as athletes because everybody kind of knows if you're an athlete, they lower the requirements just a little bit so you can get in, so you can get through the door. So they would somehow – there was a guy that I saw that was like a mastermind. He would connect these wealthy families Mm -hmm. with – a soccer coach with a rowing coach mm-hmm. with a water polo coach with a sailing coach. Yeah. And they would connect them and they would say, Hey, what's it going to take to get my kid in? Yeah. And it doesn't stop there. Like when you get into the details of this, it's crazy because they, the, the sailing coach would say, all right, well, let's get this thing started. We need a picture. Yeah. Your kid rowing. And they're like, well, my kid never has sailed before. Yeah. Well, just superimpose it, get it photoshopped, get it on there. And it's crazy that these people actually had the gall to think they'd get away with it. But I guess if you talk to like in those circles, you're probably like, Hey, I got a guy. Yeah. He got my kid in. It worked for me. Yeah. 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 Let's go ahead. Just trust him. Trust him. And so all these people were cutting massive checks. I saw as low as 20 grand, but as high as six and a half million. That's incredible. It's not, listen, there is no school in the world that's worth me paying six and a half million for Harvard, Princeton. Yeah. I don't don't care. care. I don't either. what happened to telling a kid no? What happened to a hey, listen? If you wanted to go, look, I, like I said this off here, I will definitely, let's say FIU, right? Yeah. Like, let's just use FIU. <laughs> I'm not saying it's the hardest school to get into, but let's use it. <laughs> say my son dreamed of going to FIU. I went to FIU and I want my son to go to FIU. My son doesn't have the grades to go to FIU. I am definitely putting in a call. 
Um, sure. I, you know, yeah. if I could get to the president, uh, yeah. President Rosenberg, hey, you know, Dia really would like to go to FIU. Like, that's the extent of it, though. Right. If he can't get in, I'm looking at Dia. I'm like, hey, listen, bud, should have studied harder. Here are your options. Right. This there are, because there, 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 there are all alternatives. Yeah. There that's are, right. there are other schools. Like, you can go and to. maybe that'd be a lesson for you. Right? It like, should be. I'm not, I'm not bailing you out. Like, I'll make one call for you, but I'm not coming out of pocket and bribing people for them to go to a school that they didn't earn the right to go to. Why can't we tell our kids no? My kids are spoiled. Right. They are. Right. But I'll tell them no in a heartbeat. Like, no. See, I think that's why the term, like, bad parents can run such a big scope of how you can be a bad parent. Because I think these parents are awful. Right. I think right. they have entitled their kids to be spoiled brats yeah. and think they don't have to work for anything to be handed to. Just as bad as the parent who's never there. Yep. Who doesn't ignores their kid and leaves their family. I think this can be even worse in some circumstances because you're raising these spoiled brats that are out there. And some of these... Some of the parents were like, I don't want my kid to know. I don't want little Johnny to know, so let's keep this under wraps. One kid went, and uh, I think it was USC, and they said he was going to be a lacrosse player. So he's sitting with his academic advisor going over his class schedule, and the academic advisor is like, what time is your lacrosse practice? And he's like, I don't play lacrosse. What are you talking about? <laughs> and like, had no, like, and the uh, academic advisor, well, that's how you got in. Like, yeah, you're a lacrosse yeah. player. Like, what? And it's just a complete mess. My favorite part of all of it. Aside from uh, Aunt Becky from Full House is Fantastic. one of the uh, the the people that actually got nabbed in this. Yeah. Felicity Huffman as well from Desperate Housewives. Those are kind of the two most famous. But there's a lot of in the financial industry, hedge fund industry, oh, yeah. like big names that people recognize in that industry that were doing it was that it was named Operation Varsity Blues. That's like that's my favorite part of all of it. Like I want to be the guy in the FBI that just comes up with names. The name because it's a great troll. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. After the fact, <laughs> who do you think should be? in the most trouble is it the coaches and administrators who took the money or is it the parents who were willing to cut the checks i think it's the people who took the money i kind of do too yeah i do i mean like you're wrong they all do yeah i mean there are a lot of people fighting to get into those schools like parents like I, it's not an excuse but parents most of us would do whatever we could for our kids within reason some of us have more you know reasonable boundaries than others right but you'll try to help your child um, you know, and whether that means like having a competitive advantage over someone else's kid doesn't concern you at that point because you're worried about your kids. Right. Those people are there to kind of protect the integrity of the institution. Right. Like, do you know what I mean? And Absolutely. make sure there's a relatively even playing field for every one of these parents that would do discrupulous things or unscrupulous, unscrupulous. Yeah, I think that's things to get. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're there to protect the integrity. So I think the, the onus is on them more than it is the parents. Well, here's where here's where because I, I like in me I'm entertained by all this. I'm like, yeah, yeah this is crazy. And like you look, you watch this. You know, one of the uh, Lori Loughran's daughters, like a YouTube star with a million dollars. Like, don't even care about. Oh, no, doesn't even care. So I'm like laughing at it, saying whatever. Probably nothing really happens like in the bigger picture. Right. But if I'm somebody who worked my tail off to get in, yeah. maybe I got in or it'd be even more bad if I didn't get in. Like I have a nephew uh, who got like one wrong on his SAT. Mm -hmm. And he went back to try to get the perfect score. Like really? he's that, like he's kind of nerdy. He's like a bookworm, but he's yeah, yeah, really, really, really smart. Yeah. Didn't he ended up missing it again? So he missed by one. But he applied to Princeton, Harvard, Yale, and didn't get in. What? Like, and he had like a four or five GPA, but couldn't get in. How's that possible? Because they're that hard to get in. Really? So who and gets in? Well, you know, parents who cut the check, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> like that—that's one way to get in. <laughs> right. But I think that speaks to the competitive nature. Maybe he didn't go to a strong enough high school. Right. Maybe he didn't do enough extracurricular that's activity. Easy to me. You know, like yeah. But that's. That's if I was him, I'd be livid if I was looking at this. Like, Absolutely. man, I can't believe these people who didn't even care got in because their mommy and daddy would write a check. But if if you were if you were the I don't know rowing coach 
making 75 racks a year. Oh, and you're going to get and tripled to four, five times, ten times your salary? For just saying you're yeah, – like, go ahead. Because the way I understand it, you, you didn't have to actually have them like as no, part of you your roster. You jack. just had to say that you're recruiting them. Yep, and then they quit. And then they, like, they say, I changed my mind. I didn't want to – I didn't want to row. Dude, <laughs> like I'm nice seriously, what's going? Yeah, I mean, like they still are, you're yeah, in trouble now. Have to pay, yeah, but, for sure. They're I mean, I can't promise you that if I were approached in the same situation, <laughs> I'm with you. Too. I wouldn't. Say, I, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Too. I probably would have done the yeah. same thing. Uh, the Warriors and Rockets face off tonight could be a preview of the Western Conference Final. Uh, you know, we we saw the Warriors lose the other night against the Suns. I think they're going to be kind of hot on this one. Kevin Durant will not play because of his ankle. It's tough. Um. Do you like the Rockets in this one in Houston? Um, yeah, I like the Rockets in Houston, but I think it's an important game for Golden State, even without Kevin Durant. I mean, I, I think that they need to prove to a lot of people, uh, most importantly themselves, that they can rock with Houston. Like they have not had a lot of success with Houston, and and it, like I get that they've won so many championships and they've been to the finals so many times now that they 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 think that they can turn it off and on. But this one particular team is a thorn in the side. Like they could have beaten them last year even though they didn't. They haven't had a lot of success against them this year. And I think it's important. They might not win cuz there's no Kevin Durant, but I do think it's important that they don't go in there and get rolled. Do you know what I mean? And I think there is a potential for Houston to come out guns blazing and to try to roll them tonight. I think it's really important that Golden State doesn't get rolled. We don't do this a lot. I'm going to give you the lock of the century Ooh. right now. Load it up. Put your house on the okay. rocket. <laughs> minus three and a half. They're going for the season sweep. Yep. So they got some uh, some motivation there. The Warriors are three and thirteen against the spread in their last sixteen. Mm. They're one and five against the spread in their past six games. Mm. Meanwhile, the Rockets are four and one against the spread in their mm. last five games. But you might also want to take a little parlay and take the under because it's five and zero oh in the Warriors' last five games. There it is. Lock of the Rockets. Three and a half. Don't call me if it doesn't hit. Do it. <laughs>